Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I felt intimidated in the workplace. I wouldn't want to do that. Like, I'm not out there to upset anybody. We have a finite amount of time. We really are meant to make a difference to other humans' lives. As far as cancer concerns, when you want a property, so you can't get emergency accommodation, but I can't get into it. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 this is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. Morning, morning. He is all loved up, huh? He is all loved up. Was the put, did the postman put his back out coming up the drive? My mother used to say that. The postman hurt himself coming up the drive this morning. <laughs> yeah, carrying the ESB bills, ma'am. Do you know what I mean? Morning, morning. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, we'll talk more about it as we go through the morning. Did you see the thing on, on first dates? Everybody's talking about it where she offered to pay and, and he accepted and now he's the he's the creature in the Black Lagoon for an awful lot of people. And there's also a thing too where your chocolate that you might want to buy for someone, that's going to get much, much dearer. And the Deliveroo workers. Now, if anyone wants to send about the, the Deliveroo workers, I'd love to hear from you because did you know but when you send out for your Chinese or your Indian or whatever you're having yourself, did you know that the poor devil that comes around the corner on the bike sweating profusely or arrives on an electric bike, did you know that they were only being paid about a euro per delivery? Did you know that? Because I wouldn't have known that. Um, and they are withdrawing their labour as it were, between what? Between 5 and 10 this evening? Peak delivery time on St. Valentine's Day? That, that's going to affect a lot of people's evenings. Well, before you criticise them for not delivering your Chinese, uh, a euro a delivery? Is, is, that, is that fair and decent in 2024? But two other things, to far more serious things first. Uh, the funeral will take place later today in Watergrass Hill, County Cork of young Matthew Healy. Uh, we know the story and I'll go through more of that after. But my red is still in the newsroom. Uh, the funeral will take place today. It's expected to be huge, Maureen. Yeah, that's right, PJ. Good morning. Yeah, so the Requiem Mass takes place at midday today at the Church of the Immaculate Conception in Watergrass Hill. And um, what's really unfortunate, I suppose, and it's, you know, scammers here taking advantage at such a really yeah. sad time for the family that, Gareth, you've actually been forced to share some advice to people. And, you know, I suppose over COVID, you know, live streaming of funeral masses became quite a, a common thing because, you know, there was so many restrictions in churches and that. And the live stream has kind of 
stayed, you know, I suppose part of, you know, when there is a Requiem Mass. It's not always the case anymore that you will have a live stream. And in this instance, there is no live stream. But unfortunately, what's happening here is that uh, Gardaí say that they are aware of posts circulating on social media, which are advertising the live streaming of the funeral mass of of Matthew Healy, six-year-old Matthew Healy, that's taking place, as I said today, in the parish of Watergrass Hill in Glenville here in County Cork. And the posts are including a link uh, which users are prompted to click on in order to watch the mass. And they're then redirected to a web page and this captures their personal information. So Gardaí are asking people, you know, don't engage with these posts and, you know, anyone who wishes, it says, to watch a funeral mass via live stream, they're asked to revert to the parish or diocese directly. But in this instance, we've been told by the Catholic Communications Office, they've confirmed that um, the Requiem Mass today won't be live streamed. So mm-hmm. there is no live stream today. So if you do see a link on social media, please don't click on it. It's really unfortunate, as I say, these scammers here taking advantage at this really sad time um, of people and that if you do click on that link it does uh, capture your personal information so um, it's 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 just shocking to see that, that yeah. this is happening. It's an issue we brought up on the opinion line a number of weeks ago as you know Maureen where we spoke to a member of the Funeral Directors Association and what's happening is that you click and you give details and nothing nothing's taken from you today but down the road, you can get you can get fleeced, and and that's that's happening. But there is no live live stream from the Church of the Immaculate Conception in Watergrass Hill. I think he'll then be cremated down at the island, will he? At the island crematorium in Ringeskiddy, and Ringeskiddy and District Residents Association have taken to social media in recent days, and they've said, you know, following the sad loss of six-year-old Matthew James Healy of Watergrass Hill and Ballygunner in Waterford on the 9th of February, they're saying residents who wish to pay their respects can line the village at today, Wednesday, the 14th of February from 2:30 p.m. As they say, as Matthew makes his final journey to the island crematorium in Ringeskiddy, and they've also just popped in the, the link there for donations um, can be made to Make-A-Wish Foundation and, and that was posted um, on rap.ie as well that anyone who does wish to make a donation that a Make-A-Wish Foundation there has been has been selected so anyone who does uh, want to make a donation there it's, it's to Make-A-Wish. And I think they also expect people to turn out in Watergrass Hill and in, in Waterford as well. They really do, yeah, especially as you said at the, the outset there, PJ, it's a, a, a quite a, a large turnout uh, for this funeral mass and as I say, just that reminder to people who, who do wish maybe to, to view it, that the live stream links, they're just, they're not, they're not real and not real, um, not. unfortunately that scammers are, are taking advantage in, on this uh, very sad and tragic occasion. All right, thank you very much, Maureen Twig from the 96FM newsroom back with your latest update at 10 that funeral taking place 12 noon today followed by cremation at the island crematorium in Ringeskiddy and I have no doubt it will be desperately 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 sad there are no live streams so anybody offering a link anywhere with a live stream is a con artist and the best thing to do is report them Connected to that case, uh, last evening, uh, Matthew's mom, uh, Ruth Purcell Healy, 37 years of age, from Bishopsfield, Williamstown, in Waterford City, was brought before a special sitting of the district court down there. 
uh, appearing before Judge Kevin Staunton. Evidence of arrest charge and caution was given by Detective Sergeant David Shore. Um, she was charged just after half six last evening, charged with the murder of her son, Matthew Healy, who was found unresponsive in the back of a car uh, at Dunmore East on February 9th last Friday. We've been through the details of what happened that terrible evening. We don't need to repeat them today. Uh, Ruth Purcell Healy was remanded in custody to Limerick Prison and she'll appear at court again via video link from the prison on Tuesday. The judge directed that she receive all medical treatment necessary, including a full psychiatric evaluation. Uh, that was requested by her solicitor, uh, Ken Cunningham. And there's also, in a murder case, you cannot apply for bail in the district court but it's expected that bail will be applied for in the High Court. and That will take, take place sometime in the next two weeks. So as her little boy is laid to rest today, uh, Ruth Purcell he- Healy is on remand in Limerick Prison, charged with his murder. 0818 96 96 96. Some stories are just so so sad. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Corks 96 FM Question 10. Who represented Ireland in the Eurovision last year? Quickly, um, one more time. Okay, okay. Question 10. Who represented Ireland in Eurovision last year? You said Wild Youth. Oh, for the love of God, I'm going to have to do a boom shakalaka! Oh my yeah. God! You did it. Two thousand euros back pocket. No, into the visa bill after Christmas. <laughs> that has to be done. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. The two grand minute. I'm getting money. Listen to play at seven forty at eight forty every day with Cork Dental Care. You'll be all smiles when you see their treatments with Invisalign at CorkDentalCare.ie. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. Good morning. On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, we'll come back to that, given the date that's in it. We'll come back to that first dates story a bit later. This was a guy um, who, his date on First Dates Ireland, she offered to pay. And he said, no, no, you're grand, you're grand. Well, no, he didn't actually. He said, thank you very much. A lot of people said, no, no, you're grand. No, he said, thank you very much. And he accepted her paying with her card. Then afterwards, she said... She'd like to see him again. And he said, uh, no, actually, no. <laughs> we'll come back to that. That was Richard in Quiva, wasn't it? It was, I think, yeah. Um, we'll come back to that later on. And he is now being painted as the devil and all for accepting her offer to pay for the date, for the dinner, and then not wanting a second date. He's, 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 he'd be tired and feathered if we still tired and feathered people. There's a thing, though. If you ask someone out on a date, Valentine's night or any other night, if you ask somebody out on a first date, who pays? Do you pay? I've always thought that the person doing the asking should be the one doing the paying. If you ask someone out for dinner, you should pay. If you decide to go duchies or whatever you do, 
half and half, that, that that's fine. But but the, the person doing the asking should also be doing the paying. Um, there's a thing also about first dates. I didn't know they paid. Did you know they paid? I don't watch it much, but did you know they paid on first dates? I didn't know they paid on first dates. I thought that was all thrown in as part of being on the show. Cutbacks, severe cutbacks, I guess, in 20, 2024. That, that's later on. Who should pay the bill on a date? Is it the person doing doing the asking? And on this day of days, is there any time that you had a first date that didn't turn into a second for a disastrous reason? And I don't mean negative stuff now, funny stuff, stupid stuff. Or we've just got a lovely picture in here. Someone has sent us a picture of their table all made up for dinner tonight, 41 years after they first met. That's from Lily. They often do a date night, but set up for dinner at home 41 years after they first met. That's from Lily. Thanks, Lily. Uh, I, I hope you won't be relying too much, Lily, on, um, on, on a delivery, though. I hope it's not a takeaway you'll be getting, because there'll be no delivery drivers out between, between 5 and 10 this evening. But there's the thing. Let's, let, let's start your thinking caps on this Valentine's morning. Who should pay on a first date? The person doing the inviting? Or should you split it two ways? Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. And have you a first date that went dramatically, dramatically wrong? Or one that went unexpectedly right? I remember someone rang me here a couple of years ago on a Valentine's Day and they'd been down at West Cork at an event and they met in a hotel bar and they started talking about something completely off the wall utterly off the wall, something as off the wall now as Middle Eastern politics or or something that doesn't belong, do you know what I mean? In a conversation, something Russian financial policy something mad and then they're married and having children together Stories like that. I'd love to get them this morning. 083-396-9696. Use the voice message if you're if you're too busy to take or make a call. Back to the news and indeed back to the courts. And earlier this week, a teenager who drove a stolen car at more than 170 kilometres an hour the wrong way down a motorway on the 1st of July last year has been sentenced to four years of detention. He can't be named for legal reasons, because of his age. In that crash, Johnny Foley, a young lad from Spur Hill in Toker, lost his life. The case concluded before Cork Circuit Criminal Court this week with the sentencing of four years' detention. Two other teenage boys were seriously injured, and a teenage girl less seriously so. The driver of the other car involved in that crash was Roisin Stakelam. Roisin had very, very serious injuries, which has left her, unfortunately, with, with permanent damage to some parts of her body. Roisin, she joins me now. I know that you don't want to comment on the sentencing, and that is your right, and that is your entitlement. We respect that. But but besides that, my first question to you is, um, how are you now? Good morning. Good morning. Um, I am I'm okay. Um I'm just very overwhelmed. It's all, it's just been a whirlwind, I suppose, for the last couple of months. And like, I suppose there's a certain level of 
like relief, I suppose, that that part of it is over. But um, it's all just very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Physically, how are you? Um, physically, I'm better than what I was. Um, there's still a long way to go before I'm anyway back to myself or if I'll ever be back to the way that I was before. Um, there's still there's still a lot of, I suppose, medical interventions that need to happen. But yeah, I'm, I'm better than what I was. Are you still in pain? You were in terrible pain for many weeks and months. I was in terrible pain. Um, I still have a certain level of pain, but it's, it's nowhere near as bad as it was. Let's go back to that night back in July. So many hopes and dreams. You were on your way to Dublin en route to Australia to start afresh. I was, yeah. And it was just, the, there was a whole year's worth of planning and hard work that went into that moment. Um, just even applying for the professional registration for occupational therapy in Australia it was just so difficult. And it did, like the whole process took about a year. And it had finally just come together. I had just started the career break. I was three days into the career break. So, yeah, it was, it was hard to take. The plan was a few weeks holidays and then work in, in Melbourne, was it? In Melbourne, yeah. So I was just going on a holiday just for a week with my friend. Um, and then she was, she was flying back to Ireland and I was going on to Australia. And you were to meet her that night at, at Dublin Airport. Yeah. So yeah, one of the last messages that I was that I sent that night before the crash was to her just to say that I was en route and that I'd see her at the blue car park at half three. Now of the crash itself, have you any memory? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, I can like my memories are hazy. I did like I had a concussion, so they're they're fuzzy memories. But I can remember the headlights. But where the crash happened, it was on a it was on a bend. So I didn't actually see the headlights till the very last second. So it was only like like a, a blink of an eye, really, the headlights and then the then the impact, and then after that, everything was very hazy. Did, but, did you did you realize that there was going to be an impact? Is there that was that, that no, moment? No, no, it was it was it was that quick. No, I didn't, I didn't, and I didn't realize what had happened afterwards. I was very confused. I did like didn't make any sense. What's the next thing that you remember after that? Just the guards coming to the window. Like, it was very quick. I don't remember being in the car for too long before there was somebody at the window. Um, and, I, like, I don't know, was it, did I lose consciousness or were they there that quick? But it was, I can only remember, like, two or three minutes and then there was somebody at the window. And then there was the emergency services. They were very, very quick as well. At what point did you realise the, the extent of your injuries? Oh, I'd say not for um, a week. Right. Yeah, yeah, I was very, like, I was very out of it, I suppose, for about a week. Um, just really confused. So it it, it, took, it took a while to settle in. It just, I, I, just, I had difficulty processing it. I don't think my brain was processing it. Mm-hmm. You you didn't recognise yourself the first time you looked in a mirror. That must have been a horrific moment. It was actually, and yes, they. So there was the care assistants that were looking after me. They, I, I wasn't able to move very well in the first couple of weeks. So they had to do everything for me, and they had to like help me have a shower. And that was the day. The I say it was a couple, maybe four or five days afterwards, um, that I was in the bathroom and there was a mirror. But they had prepared me. They were like, have you seen your face yet? Mm-hmm. I was like, no. So they were very, very helpful. 
they 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 supported me, but yeah, it was it was a fright. It didn't it didn't look like me. It looked very very deformed. How is it now? It's better. It's better. It's not the same. It's definitely not the same. But the doctors and the COH did a fantastic job. They're marvelous people out there. They are. They are. Your victim impact statement to the court was very strong, and can I compliment you, Roshin, on your extraordinary kindness? towards the young people in the car, particularly the chap that died, Johnny? Yeah, well, it just, it had a massive effect on me. And I actually, I can't remember at what point I realised that someone had passed away in the accident, but it did, it, it, and it continues to have a massive effect on me that he lost his life. He was so young, and I just think it's very, it's just such a waste of a young person's life. Hmm. It's very sad. Hmm. So what happens to you now? You, you, Australia's not, it's not ruled out. You, you are. It's, it's, yeah, it's not ruled out, but like I'd say there's only a very slim possibility that I'll follow that path now. It's just, I feel so different. Like it's just, this experience has had such a massive effect on me. I don't feel like I'm the same person that I was when I was making those plans. Like I know I have friends over in Australia and my sister is over there but essentially I was going over by myself and I don't think I have the confidence to make that journey now not at the moment anyway um that's why I'm like maybe there's maybe there is a glimmer of hope maybe next year but I just I can't see it happening yeah physically will you be able to soon enough you will Mm, I don't know like there's still a lot of ongoing treatments that like I'm I still have a, a good way to go really before I'm physically better than what I am now so I mean that's another thing I, I really need to just focus on my health and getting back to where I was beforehand so that's kind of my main priority yeah as you, as you say that that night last July changed you changed you for forever yeah you've also been keen to point out individuals who helped you along the way from the first moment to today yeah, yeah. But the guards, especially, I just feel like the guards were absolutely fantastic. From the very, like the the first person that I saw after the impact was a guard, and then they, it was Eva McCarthy was my um my guard liaison, and she just gave me an unlimited amount of support for the last couple of months, just checking in with me regularly, letting me know about every minor details in the cases and just supporting me in court because I was absolutely terrified doing the victim impact statement. I've never, obviously never done something like that before. Um, And I didn't know would I be able to get up there and do it. But with her support, I was able to do it. And I just thought that that was a very important thing to do because otherwise I'd just be like a face in the crowd or a name on a piece of paper. But when I stood up and actually read the words that I wrote, it just, it makes me more of a real person. That makes sense. Yeah, I've I spent a lot of time in courts over the years and a victim impact statement was always a time when you could hear a pin drop and, and many of them were read out, but when they were spoken by the person themselves that they they are words that have that have power. They are, and it's it is a really difficult thing to do. It's probably up there with one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life. But I'm really happy I did it. Mm. Was it was it harder to write it or to actually present it in court? Oh, to present in court. I could have written. I could have written it forever. I actually had to stop 
because there was so much things that happened to me and so many emotions and like I, I probably could have spent the rest of my life writing it down but I just had to, I had to cut it off obviously at some point yeah your parents have taken great care of you and your friends have taken great care of you in the months since. Yeah, they have. They have. Like my parents have been absolutely outstanding. Um, they're just very good parents anyway, but it's not been easy for them. It's They've been very traumatized by this whole experience as well. And it, it continues to affect them. My friends have been absolutely amazing as well. Um, just from all the visits in the hospital to driving me around the place because I, I can't drive my car yet um, and just sending really lovely positive messages they've they've been just very good They all had hopes and dreams for you just like you had hopes and dreams for yourself Yeah and it's it's affected my friends as well like the, the girl that I was going on holidays with Niamh, like she she's very traumatised by what happened as well she was up in Dublin airport by herself for hours just trying to figure out why I didn't arrive. I mean, that's that's going to have a lasting impact on her as well, the events of that night. She, she was trying to ring you, wasn't she? She was trying to ring me and my phone was ringing. So she just, she, she couldn't figure out why I didn't turn up. And because my phone was ringing, she just assumed that maybe I'd lost it or um, she just, she was just very confused. But she she worked well under pressure. With the, she started ringing guard stations from Dublin back, but obviously, like they hadn't, they didn't know that that crash was after happening in Mitchellstown. And she was she started from Dublin going back. Um, but she eventually made contact with my parents through my sister, who was in Australia, because she didn't have a number for my parents. So she rang my sister, and my sister rang my parents, and then my mother rang from my guard station first, and they were obviously the guards that had been out of the scene so they were able to tell her yeah do you get flashbacks I do I do unfortunately yeah yeah and it's just driving in like even being a passenger in a car like I haven't been able to drive my car yet but being a passenger in a car is absolutely terrifying I can't even look out um at the road and obviously I'm probably very sensitive to, to other road users now after this experience but like I have noticed that people lately just drive very aggressively and I have had I've had panic attacks in the car because people are driving so aggressively mm. and obviously I just think about the crash and even like if like not on the road besides that like even if there's a loud noise or certain certain noises like the indicator noise makes me have flashbacks that tick 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 yeah yeah, yeah. I think it must have been going off in the car afterwards when I was sitting in it because it triggers, it triggers a memory. Wow. Do you ever think you'll drive again on your own, do you think? Oh, I hope so. I hope so. I just, I can't, um, I can't see it happening anytime soon, but I'm working with some professionals that are, um, that specialise in trauma after car accidents. Mm-hmm. So I'm really hoping that he, his work works on me. Because it's it's one of the missing pieces in my life now is driving. You liked it. I loved driving. I don't think I'll ever love it again. But it's it's just important. It's it's. <laughs> I can't go places without the car. From listening to you, you are determined to piece your life back together. Yeah, yeah, I am. I think one of the reasons that you're you're willing to talk about it, and it must be difficult for you, is that you want to raise 
a kind of awareness out there among the, the public, the road users of Ireland? What is that awareness? Yeah, well, I just feel like this, there's an awful lot of, there's a, there's a massive increase in road traffic accidents lately. Now, again, I don't know if I'm just very sensitive to the topic now, but I just feel like last year there were so many accidents. Um, and obviously this, this new trend of joyriding, I don't know if it's new, but it seems to have like become a massive problem. And I just feel like if me telling my story and one person hears it and decides that that's not something they're going to do, that's that's going to be yeah. an important thing to it, do. It was always around, I can tell you, it was around in the 80s when my dad was a guard in the north side, God rest him. It's always been around, but there's been a resurgence of it in recent years. Yeah. You know, cars being stolen and just driven like crazy. Yeah. Like even since since all this, since this case has been made public, I've gotten messages on my Facebook from people that have had their cars stolen as well. And they just, they just want to like, let me know that, that you know, that happened to them and that they were really sorry that this happened to me. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of it going on. I wish you improved health. And I hope that, much. I hope that someday you will get to Australia and you will, you will start that job. You're a, a special kind of occupational therapist, I think. That's what you do, isn't it? I'm a mental health occupational therapist. So OT is, it's a, it's a very broad profession. So we work in a lot of different clinical areas, but I'm, I'm in mental health. Well, someday you'll do great work for others, just like they've done for you. Uh, thank you for talking to me and I wish you the very best of luck for the future. Thank you, PJ. See you, Roisin. You have a good day. Finbar's listening. Finbar Archer and says she's very brave. I just want to wish her all the best for the future. I think you sum up the words of thousands, Finbar, this morning. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Quartz 96 FM Hi there, Twine Tuberty here. Be part of my new adventure this Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM. I'd have something for everyone with a mixture of conversation, laughter and great music. Talk to you this Sunday from 10am. The Ryan Tuberty Show on Sunday in association with High and I. For every kind of driver, there's a High and I. Find yours at highandi.ie. Cork's 96FM. Tom says uh, in the States you'd be in jail straight away. Uh, for an accident such as what happened uh, where um, where Roisin was injured. Tom says, in the States you'll be in jail straight away when you take a car on the road you put a deadly weapon in your hands. Well, the young man who can't be named for legal reasons because he is underage, he's still a juvie uh, he has had four years detention and uh, Roisin said before we brought her on air that she didn't want to talk about the sentencing, that it is what it is, and that's, that, and that's a matter for her, and we, we respect that. If anybody else wants to comment on it, then the lines are open at 0818969696, four years detention. Now, Emma Murphy, where was the car taken from? Good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you? Mm-hmm. Um, my car was taken from my driveway on um, Monday night, Where'd you live? Um, um, yeah, I'd I'd just driving home, driven home from Marymount, and I parked up my driveway, and 
Um, I think it was taken within a very short period of time. Um, um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was Monday night it was taken. Where where do you live, Emma? Where was it taken from? Oh, sorry, sorry. Where do I live? I live on the Model Farm Road. Okay, okay. Now, yeah, the carrot losing the car itself is is it bad enough, but losing what was in the back of it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, my mom obviously is apologies now if I get upset, it's but okay. I'm trying not to. Um, so my mom is in Marymount. Uh, at the moment and she's quite ill and um she's deteriorating um rapidly and um on Sunday um, she had asked me to bring over a bag of you know her valuable possessions um, one of her favorite things is her long green green fan coat as she calls it um which mm. I had given to her um you know, a, a lovely scarf, her favourite runners, um, a jumper, tracksuit pants, stuff that she 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 really enjoys wearing yeah. and with the hope of getting out for her comfy stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um also um within the bag she I'd kind of packed a I had a sister who also passed away from breast cancer five years ago and um I had packed photos of her original photos and um, medals which you laugh at this I always attach my sister's miraculous medals to my bra and I'd ironically taken them off on Sunday night <laughs> and um, I said look I'll put them into mom's bag to mind her and keep her safe mm-hmm. um, so I put the medals into the bag um, I put a bottle of perfume that used to belong to my sister um, it's Britney Spears curious perfume (laughs) and not a very nice smelling perfume but it reminds us of her and um, a lovely scarf that belonged to Sheena as well Um, so it was just you know uh, possessions that meant a lot I suppose to to me and and to my mom Um, and I left them in, because I suppose when you're walking in those doors of Marymount, you forget a lot of things and, yeah. uh, you know, there's a lot of emotions going through your head at the time. And I forgot to bring in the bag. And when I parked my car up in the driveway, I also forgot to bring them in home. Um, as I suppose you're not thinking no. like you normally would think. No. Um, and yeah, the next morning I looked out um because I live at home with my mom, you know. Yeah. And you know, it's it's heartbreaking enough not having her here. So you're you're on your own at the moment. Yeah. Um, well, my dad's here as well. Okay, sorry. You know, but um, yeah, no, my dad's here as well. So um, but uh, that particular morning, yesterday morning, was just I just woke up and I was just in sheds of tears like I am every morning at the moment. But it was just really really bad yesterday morning and. Then I looked out my window and I was like, where is my car? And I was like, maybe it rolled down the hill or something. Um, you know, because I'm capable of silly things at the moment. And no, it was gone. Um, and my immediate kind of reaction was like, oh my God, the bag in the car. I didn't even think about the car itself. So, um, 
Yeah, it's um, they're the little things, you know, that I'm worried about. They're little, they're little things to you, and you, and, but they're huge. Yeah. Sorry, they're little things yeah. to some people, but they're huge things. Yeah, to you and to mom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a lovely, uh, I had a lovely rosary beads as well. And my, I was in with my mom all day yesterday. I spend all day with her because my mom's like. Um, Anyone who's had the pleasure of ever meeting her will, you know, you're you're touched by her immediately. She's a wonderful woman and a lot of people know her. She's an inspiration and, you know, she's a strong faith. And she was asking me yesterday about her rosary beads. You know, could I bring them in? And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't. I couldn't tell her where the rosary beads are. And she's obviously not listening to 96 FM right now. She's listening. To, ordinarily, she would. She's listening to Lyric FM this morning because I made the Mary Mercers make sure that she wasn't because she doesn't know about my stolen car. Okay. 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 Yeah. So. You've been to the guards about it, I take it, Emma? Yeah, I've been to the guards. They were there. Um, they were with us this, um, yesterday morning. Um, so they said they do their best. Um, and I've, I've posted it all over social media. And, you know, that's what I was only saying yesterday. Um, people are so kind. I've got offers from lifts from people I don't know to bring me to Mary Mountain back. Because obviously I don't have a car at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, yeah, that's what, the what kind of car is it? It's an O nine C, is the reg, isn't it? O nine C seven 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 two. What what kind of car is it? That's right. It's um, it's a Volkswagen Polo. Okay. Yeah. Fine little yeah. car. They're a great little car. What color is it? It's red. Yeah. Red. Okay, yeah. and look, that could have been taken and abandoned somewhere. Yeah. And um, that's my hope, and uh, that's what the guards were saying, that these people, they take the car, they drive them for a few days and they dump them somewhere. And that's what I'm hoping, that, you know, they dump them and they don't see any, you know, anything valuable in, in, in the bag. Or, you know, there was other stuff belonging to me as well, which, listen, I, I, I don't care about. I don't, I don't, I don't mind, but, like, if... If these people are listening, anyone knows anyone. I was going to say that to you, Emma, and look, I, this may be difficult for you, but look, there's someone listening to us, or could be someone listening to us this morning, who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone, shall we say, and might have seen that car or come across that car, might know who took that car. Yeah. Would you, would you want yeah. to talk to them directly for one minute? Well, I'd, I'd you know, I... Uh, I, I, I would just like to ask you. You know, uh, you can take, I, you can take my car, but whatever's inside my car, I would love that back, and I would hold absolutely no grudge against you. Um, I forgive you for what you did, um, but if you could return what's in the car, I'd be an eternally grateful um i'd i'd be you'd make all of this a little bit easier um yeah. because you know as i said it's um what we're going through at the moment and you know there's been a lot my sister's passed away um when when did that happen that are, 
that that was um, five years ago uh, of cancer as well. So, um, you know, what when, when, when little things like this happen, well, I suppose it's a big for other people, but... It's a huge know, thing for you. Like it's a huge happen, thing. This pushes you over the edge and, you know... Um, but you know what I have to say, PJ? The amount of people who shared my post on Facebook, who've offered me lifts, who've asked if I'm okay, um, the power of social media and the power of kindness. It's just yesterday I was in absolute turmoil and I thought I just I'm at breaking point. I can't take this anymore. And people's kindness, it just it gave me a lift yesterday. And it got me through the day and I woke up this morning feeling better and stronger within myself, knowing that there are such kind people out there. And I know this person who, themselves who took my car, maybe they have just a little ounce of kindness within them that, you know, could possibly return my items. Yeah. Yeah. Even if someone you know, wanted to, I'll throw it open here. Emma, if someone wanted to drop your stuff off here, they can do it. Yeah. Anonymously. Yeah. They can Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. Now, the, the, the bonus would be the car with it. Of course it would. Also, of course it would. Well, just tell us, tell us where the car is. Phone us here. Yeah, Send exactly. us a text message. Yeah. Tell us where the car yeah. is. Yeah. There'll be no more about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Nothing, absolutely. I'll, I'll you, listen. I don't need to know who, what, where, when, or why. It's just, um, it's just. I would absolutely love it back, and it would make all this heartbreak that we're experiencing or that I'm experiencing, um, just that little bit less. Even only if it's only for a couple of days. All right. How is mom? Mom is. Um, she is deteriorating physically, but um, mentally, um, my mom has this. A lot of people would know my mom. Um, so what's your first name? Emma? I, my mom's first name is uh, Mary, Mary yeah. Murphy. Okay. She is, and I don't say this lightly, and I, I'm not saying this because she's my mother, but she is the most inspirational, kind, compassionate, beautiful woman. Um, and I'm not anyone who's ever met her will will think those exact sentiments she's just yeah. incredible and throughout all the suffering and struggle with cancer she has never once complained she always you know her motto in life is when things get bad all you have to do is put one foot in front of the other and keep going and yeah. that's what i'm trying to do so um if i get an ounce of her kindness compassion and love towards others, I'll be doing well in life. So, There's some lovely photographs up there of the two of you at sports events. She's very supportive of you and everything that you do. Yeah, she's incredible and all she ever wanted for any of us to do or be was be happy, right. you know. So I, I could... Just, I could write a book about my mother because loads of people know her and everyone's touched by her, by how an amazing woman she is. Um, in fact, if I had she you she talking to you on the radio now, she wouldn't. She she might keep you for an hour. But <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 I hate to, I hate to end our conversation, uh, but I will do by by saying that I wish I wish her every every support on this journey she's going through, and you with her, and your dad. How's he doing? 
my dad is okay. He, Good. You know, men struggle in a different way, don't they? Do. They? We do. Yeah, um, they do indeed. Yeah. Look, if anyone can help with that car, uh, they can contact us and... and There'll be no no more about it. M. Murphy, thank you very, very much. It's a red Volkswagen Polo 09C7772. She'd love to get the car back, but it's not about the car. It's about what was in it and and their meaning to her at this difficult time. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Corks 96 FM The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie this is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96 FM. Yeah, a lot of sympathy, a lot of love uh, out there for Emma. Bernie's uh, so sad people don't respect other people's property. Uh, it was quite apart from ordinary theft. It's the way you end up with situations like this. Priceless time with loved ones that'll never come back. And now it's ruined by, by worry and by regret. That says Bernie. Thank you. Yeah. Listening to Emma, it's shocking. There was a robbery recently in Baker's Road. A person's wheelchair was thrown out onto the street. Just heartless. I didn't hear about that. Robbery in Baker's Road, person's wheelchair. God. Uh, heartbreaking for Emma and her family, says says Mick. Yeah. We'll, we'll podcast that interview later. We'll also podcast the interview with uh, Roisin Stakelum but how she's getting on with her life after that joyriding incident last summer. 0818 96 96 96, the number, the text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96, your email opinion at 96fm.ie If you want to get involved in anything we're talking about and you don't have time to take or make a phone call, just pop us a voice message to that number 083 396 96 96 and uh, if you want to make a longer point or start a conversation Email is always the best. Opinion at 96fm.ie Now, I'm not someone who watches every episode of First Dates Ireland uh, with fervour, shall we just say that and leave it there. But I've been known to watch it from time to time when there's a reason to talk about it. In other words, afterwards, the latest episode, this, this is fun. I think this is hilarious. Richard who's 28, from Cork. He's a teacher. Um, met Quiva from Galway. And it all seemed to go really well during the, the chat and the dinner and the whole thing. And um, Quiva said, we have similar vibe and similar world outlooks. And just looking at a picture of the two of them, she has the most glorious pink hair. And his is sort of Bushy and 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 she has what are you going which might have called one time rock and roll hair, and I liked the I liked I liked the look of the two of them. They had one little little difference of opinion during dinner about about raising kids. Um, when she asked him, "Do you want kids?" and he said, "Yeah, there's no rush. I have so much I need to explore for myself first. I don't feel any pressure to do it, but yeah, I would see it in the future." And then she says, I'm not the one to follow expectations. It was a kind of a deep and meaningful conversation. And they all seem to be going 
really, really well. Uh, and, and then, and then this happened. We've come to the end. Can I pay for this? Would you like to? Yes. Okay. Perfect. My card, please. Of course. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. That was really kind. Oh, of course. Did you fancy him? Yeah. Do you think he fancied you? I'd hope so. <laughs> Would you like to see each other again romantically? Um, for me, it's a no. I think we're on very different stages. Hmm. Yeah. Said. I would have said yes, but that's okay. I feel you. I had a nice time. I had a really nice time. Yeah, yeah it was beautiful. I yeah. love the conversation. I think it's rare to have that kind of depth. Mm. We're not looking for the same thing, I think, at the moment. When she was talking about like falling in love with people very quickly, I don't think we resonated on each other's energies at all. How are you feeling? I'm all right. Yeah. I think that uh, if he wasn't feeling it, then he wasn't feeling it, you know? My ethos around splitting the bill is that you don't want to see someone again. So if he didn't want to see me again, then maybe he should have suggested to split it. <laughs> yeah, uh, first dates. I, I didn't, did you know, I didn't know they paid for their dinner on first dates Ireland. I thought that's a bit of a swizz, actually, after all the trouble you go to, to, um... <laughs> to get on the show. Yeah, it was last week's episode. So he has been hung, drawn and quartered in social media about allowing her to pay and then saying, actually, thank you very much, but I don't really think we're on... What kind of language was he speaking? We're on a level? We're on a plane? I don't really think so. Um, uh, I think she was a bit put out by her having paid the bill. Then again, you see, am I right or wrong here? Am I the only person who thinks if you're out to dinner with someone and they offer to pay, then, or if you offer to pay the bill for someone, then don't be surprised when they take up the offer. I was asking the question earlier on, if you ask someone out on the first date, who pays? And I would say if the one doing the asking should be the one doing the paying, whether it's the first date or the hundred and first date. But there you go. Moraid, matchmaker and podcast host, Moraid Lockman of Love HQ. You, you, you're aware of this controversy, Moraid? Yeah. Who should pay That's on the first date? Look, I don't think there's any rules. The great thing about dating is there are no rules. And that's part of what dating is. It's two people just getting to know each other. So you're shop, you're kind of swapping life experiences, like swapping etiquette, getting to know each other, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And that's part of the fun of going on dates. So I don't think there's an actual solid rule. Personally, uh, I would say to any guy that if he was on a date and he really wanted to see her again, that he should offer to pay. Uh, I don't think that that means that he has to pay, but I would certainly say that it does get a few extra brownie points. Mm. When she offered to pay, what should he have done? What would be the best etiquette for him to do, would you think? I think he handled it very well. She did say, can I pay for this? And he said, would you like to? And she said, yes. So we need to look at when we are dating and when we are in relationships, clear communication. Like there's a lot of people out there today that maybe told their other half they don't want flowers, they don't want a card. And then they're going to be upset and have an argument with them later today when they turn up with no well, card. Well, Maureen, we know that's flowers. a lie. So, 
you know. <laughs> I know. We do know it's a lie. So don't offer to pay for a date if you don't want to pay for it. Don't say to your partner that you don't want something for Valentine's Day yeah. when you know you're going to be disappointed that you if you don't get something. But isn't there a so thing as well that is in the kind of politeness, particularly on a first date, when she said, uh, can I pay? And he said what he should probably have said was, actually, don't look. That's That's nice. But no, we'll go halves. Yeah, look, there's niceties and everything. And she, he did say, would you like, you know, would you like to? And she said, yes. And we just have to take that at face value, I would think. You know, there is niceties. There are things like, you know, the evolutionary biology of it all, you know, that suggests that, uh, you know, there gives men a, a reproductive advantage and things like that. We can get into all the airy fairy science of it all and men being providers and everything. The, you know, at this day and age, there is a certain level of equality. If somebody asks to, they says they want to pay for it, let them pay for it and yeah. say thank you. And that's what he did. And there shouldn't be an expectation there. You know, it's kind of the same. We have to understand as well if the roles are reversed. You know, ladies have been very vocal about what they expect from dating, but men very often don't. Mm. You know, if you were out, if I was a lady at the bar now on Saturday night and a guy comes up and buys me a drink, does that mean that I have to go on a date with him? Yeah, yeah. Sandra's saying here. So there has to be. Sandra's saying here, Myraid, look, PJ, he was giving her false cues throughout the whole dinner. He was saying it was a beautiful conversation, that he really enjoyed it, that he had a fabulous date, and then he dumps her. Not cool, says Sandra. Yeah, I like I, I understand that and you shouldn't give false cues. But at the other side of it is dating is two people just getting to know each other. And so, yes, there should be you shouldn't, you know, give them false cues where it's there. But at the same time, a date the date. So he like, what is he supposed to do? Like you've heard I've heard of people that go on dates and as soon as they turn up, if the person doesn't look like their Tinder profile or something like that, they kind of get a bit of a huff and have a bit of an attitude. And then there's this awkwardness throughout the date. So I think he was, you know, conducting himself as a guy of high value that he was doing his very best. And you have to remember as well, it's two people on national television. They both want to you know, being mannerly and polite. He yeah. wasn't being disrespectful. He wasn't being rude to her. Um, it's edited to within an inch of its life. Oh, they are, yeah. And, it, like, it is. And, like, it makes great content and everything. And that's why you were saying you were surprised that they they allow them, they make them pay and everything. But you're, like, the amount of of uh, content they get, even from seeing who pays, who doesn't pay, what's the etiquette sure. around it and everything. Mm. Um, I think when people are dating, you know, she also says as well, it's my ethos is if you're splitting the bill, that means you don't want to see each other again. That's her expectation. Um, and I think mm. when we're dating, we need to be clear that other people have different expectations. So being clear with your communication, if you say you'd like to pay, I think, yes, go ahead and pay, but don't begrudge it then afterwards. Yeah. Um, like that as well. I would think it would be. Personally, I would think it's good etiquette to to suggest splitting the bill. Um, but if it was the other way around, nobody would have batted an eyelid. If it was the gentleman that had paid for the bill and she didn't want to see him again, this we probably wouldn't even have this conversation. I was just going to get to that, Maureen. She offered yeah. to pay and he said, would you like to? And she said, yes, I would. And we all know where that mm -hmm. led. Reverse the conversation. He offers to pay yes. and she says, would you like to? And he says, I would. And then she dumps him. Like you said, nobody yes. would bat an eyelid. Double standards, no. if you ask me. There is, absolutely. And given their age range as well, the two of them are in their 20s. Let's face it, given the house in Christ in Ireland and everything, they probably don't own homes at the at the moment. They're probably both at the early stages of their career. Um, he's a teacher. You know, they're uh, normal wages is what I would say. So, yeah, it, it, we don't bat an eyelid when it's reversal. And I think guys very often don't get given the benefit of the doubt. There's this expectation. Like traditionally, 
men, you know, the economic factor of it all, men probably would have earned a lot more than ladies. Um, traditionally, like we're voting on this referendum now in March as to what the ladies' role is. In I'm not even going into that. <laughs> yeah, I know, but like it is, it's a conversation we're having in Ireland over the next couple of weeks and months. How it has changed, how people, how women are, do want equality, how they are earning as much, if not in very often cases, more than maybe the men they're going on dates with. So uh, I personally think that if you were a gentleman and you would like to do, if you'd like to do a really great date, and this is what I would say to my clients, if they want to do a really great date, because you have to remember, anybody that comes to me from matchmaking does have a certain level of disposable income. They are serious about finding long-term real love. Like I'm down in Cork every three weeks meeting new clients, advising people on what to do. So what I would say is conduct yourself as a person of high value, whether you're male or female. You know, give your mm. very best to the date. So he did. He gave his very best yeah. to the date. He was yeah. giving her cues, but don't give false cues at the same time. Don't start talking about your next date mm. or asking them out on a date if you've no intention to do so. That's a but good behavioural observation, actually, Moira. He did. He put yeah. his heart and soul into the date. And then afterwards, yeah. having done that, he then, like you say, placed a high value on himself and said, well, I liked her. I enjoyed the date. But yeah. that's it. That's end of story. And that's he it. was and placing a high value on himself. Yeah, and I think so. But I would say, you know, had he really liked her, I would have said to her, I would probably recommend that you should pay for the date just for the social norms of it all, just for, you know, the expectation she has said her ethos there of the splitting the bail was the words she used mm. um, of not splitting the bail. And, um, you know, so for the social norms of it all, for a certain level of expectation, it's no harm for most people. Anyway, their first date tends to be a coffee now. It doesn't tend to be a big deal. Doesn't be so, she, so she was she yeah. was t- what you're how you interpreted that was she by her very. And let, let's let's listen to that little bit again. We've come to the end. Can I pay for this? Would you like to? Yes. OK. Now, th- th- your, 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 your suggestion is that because she was so intent on paying, that was a cue to him, I want to see you again. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying, he didn't obviously take that cue, you know, he obviously just t- took it that she would like to pay. Yeah, 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 he misinterpreted. That's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like if you think about it, you know, take people at what they say. It's like if a girl is online dating or a guy is online dating and they're talking to someone and say, what are you looking for? And they say, I'm looking for long-term real love. And the, pers- the other person they're talking to says, I'm looking for something casual, but certainly not long-term. You listen to them. You yeah. don't say, well, actually, maybe I could change their mind, whatever. Listen to people. You're, people are teaching you who they are. That's what dating is, getting to know somebody. So listen to them if they say it. So And you do take these social cues. And he may have been given cues that may have, um, you know, let her think that they were going to meet on a second date, whatever. But this is the bill. It's separate to whether or not they're going to meet again. That's a whole separate question. You can't yeah. assume somebody's going to want to meet you again. But like that now, had he said, I'd love to meet you again. And yeah. then she paid for the bill. And then he didn't. That would be bad etiquette. But yeah. we, I think simplify it. It's with all communication, with all relationships. If there's something in your relationship today that's, you know, niggling on you or driving you crazy, simplify it and communicate it clearly. Don't expect people to have the same, you know, cues that you would have within your relationship. Tell me what you want. I'm, I, I love you dearly, but I can't read your mind. Absolutely. <laughs> it would save a lot of arguments, so it would, PJ. <laughs> Maureen, thank you very much. Maureen Lockman, matchmaker and podcast host with lovehq.ie. I'd love to know what you think about that. She offered to pay, and he said thank you very much. And then he decided afterwards, well, I actually don't want to say... I did enjoy dinner. 
enjoyed the conversation. It was a lovely conversation. I enjoyed her company, but that's that's kind of it for me. I don't really want to go there again. I don't really want to see her again. She's perfectly entitled to feel that. Um, people are very aggrieved, though, that he took her money, he took her pay, and then and twisted it around the other way, supposing he had offered to pay, and then she said it wasn't for her. Well, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. She then thinks splitting the bill means I don't want to see you again. All sorts of different messages there. 0818969696. Shiona says, Happy Valentine's, PJ. I agree with you. He asked, he, if he asks, he pays. This is about four states. If the, whoever does the asking does the paying. I'm old-fashioned. I love a man to be a true gentleman and to be chivalrous. There you go, Shiona. What would you have thought of what happened there on, on first dates between Richard and, and Quiva? Uh, I once... Who? I don't, there's no name on this. I once went out with a girl and we went for dinner and when it came to ordering, she told me and the waiter she was allergic to brightly coloured... What? She was allergic to brightly coloured food. So that was the end of that. I'm trying to think what you'd have if all you could eat was dark-coloured food. You could have a steak, I suppose, but then chips are brightly coloured. You can't have chips. Uh, Mashed potatoes are brightly coloured. You can't have mashed potatoes. Green beans are in... So you just basically have a big lump of overcooked steak. (laughs) Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I'm not dating. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining, and mattresses, over forty five years in business. TheFurnitureCentre.ie. ninety six FM. Welcome back to Valentine's Day stuff. Uh, as we go through the morning. Um, I love the one about the date, though. If you ask, you pay. The He who does the asking, or she who does the asking, does the paying. If you decide to split it, that's another conversation entirely. Has there been, like, the way it all went pear-shaped there for um, for the two on first dates, has there ever been a has there ever been a story that you'd like to share with me about how your first date went completely pear-shaped? You know those stories that are out there? where the first date goes completely wrong in every conceivable way and then they've been married for 30 years. I'd love a story like that. 0818 96 96 96 to a far more serious matter. An Rockless committee heard this week that Ireland is simply not doing enough to protect children from the dangers of artificial intelligence. Ireland's special rapporteur on child protection, uh, Keelan Gallagher, KC said children had been an afterthought when it comes to developing policies around AI internationally. This is the person who advises the government on child protection policy, has told this Rotis committee that AI children have been an afterthought when it comes to AI. Among those addressing the committee were members of the Irish Council for Civil Liberties and representatives from Cyber, Cyber Safe Ireland. And we've spoken to CyberSafe Ireland before. Uh, their chief exec is Alex Cooney. Um, Alex, you, you were you were at that meeting, or you and you're going into another meeting now, but short shortly. But 
we we are letting our children behind when we discuss the future of artificial intelligence. A very clear message. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. I mean, I think it's more than just the fact that they're an uh, an afterthought. They are really guinea pigs in this digital age. We're testing out technology on them. Uh, and we've no idea really of the impact of it. Um, so I think uh, what our special rapporteur on child protection was it, suggesting was that, you know, where we're, there is no consideration of children in the design of technology, it is ultimately uh, designed for adults by adults. <laughs> and yet, as we know from UNICEF, a third of online users are in fact children. So they are extremely active online users, but we are really falling behind in terms of proper uh, safeguards for them. And yeah, they're, 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 they're the kind of guinea pigs, unfortunately, of the digital age. And well, that has to change. But if you look at the statistic that came out over the last couple of weeks, that one in five under sixes has access to a smartphone. We have a serious yes. problem here. Yes, that was a survey that we published last week, uh, which was um, we commissioned with uh, Morick, uh, where we surveyed 900 parents and we asked um, the ages of children and the ages uh, that whether or not they had their own smart device. And 24% um, of six-year-olds, according to the... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The parents in that survey had their own smart device and 12% of five-year-olds. So there's no question that children have tremendous access to the online world. And we're not saying, of course, that it's all bad. There's, you know, tremendous opportunity to, you know, growing up in the digital age, it's mm-hmm. it's a whole different world and it's such an important way for them to communicate. But we must consider, as we do offline, as we consider children's best interests offline, we must consider their best interests online. So that committee hearing yesterday was an opportunity for us to talk about the fact that Children are, you know, underprotected in these online spaces. And of course, the the artificial intelligence, and I know we're talking about it a lot more, although many of us in the committee made the point that, of course, it's been around for years. It's been impacting on children's technology use for years because of the it it drives things like the recommender system that serves content to their feeds. Uh, So they have been impacted by artificial intelligence and social engineering for many years at this stage. But I suppose we're seeing these new developments in generative AI based on these large language models. So the the, the potential, the power is all the greater now. Well, the idea of every social media company, be it TikTok or X or Instagram or whatever, Snapchat, whatever, its, its aim is to keep this person's pair of eyes on their screen and not to move to another screen. They want you to stay all day on TikTok, stay all day on Instagram. So the algorithms, that which keeps us watching, it's all being driven now by AI to keep the kids watching. 
Yeah, and it's and it's a little more sinister than that because you know you could say well that's just you know interest driven, right? We've expressed an interest in something online, maybe we've lingered over a piece of content or we've clicked on something, so we're showing an interest in a, in a particular topic. But it it it's upping the ante. So when Frances Haugen blew the whistle back in 2021 on on Instagram, you know she she talked about these little dopamine loops that are being created and that the fact that they know that things like hateful content are going to get a, a greater degree of engagement. So they're, they're, the recommendation is actually bringing content that is going to excite certain emotions, fear, anger, because they know that that will mean that they engage more with that service. They'll, they'll, they'll keep going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. So I think there's so little transparency around the techniques that they're using uh, that, and I think that has to change because it is really problematic. We know that children are exposed to all sorts of inappropriate content, harmful content, you know, pro-anorexia content. You could linger for a moment uh, on, a, on a, a recipe that could be considered maybe a diet recipe. You know, and within a very short period of time, you could be served up. And, and, and I'm, I'm saying this is based on research. This is not just me saying it, obviously. You know, you could be served up pro-anorexia content. And this is this stuff is being served up to, to, to our children. You know, I'm a parent of, of an 11-year-old and a 14-year-old. And, you know, this need for vigilance, this need to kind of check mm. and engage and, and chat is so, so important. But my job as a parent and all of our jobs as parents has become so much harder. You know, even if we're really on it, at the end of the day, these, this stuff is so addictive. It's very difficult for children to put the devices down or step away, you know, and that's the way it's designed to be. Well, we now know, because science tells us, that addiction is based on dopamine. And then we know that screens, the stuff on our screens, causes the production of dopamine, which means that screen addiction is, is real. If we know that, so too do the people running the platforms. And you could almost suggest, Alex, they're using it for their benefit. Oh, I don't think you've, it's absolutely true. There, We know that they're benefiting. So there was a study carried out, um, which was released in December by the Harvard uh, School of Public Health, which actually looked at the advertising re- revenue of, of some of the top companies. So I think it was Meta, X, Snapchat, TikTok, um, I feel like, oh, yes, YouTube. Uh, and they looked at the, com- the revenue that they generated for, from children, from advertising to children in, in a single year. So 20, they focused on 2022 and they found that they, they earned collectively 11 billion from children, from advertising to children. 2 billion of that, 11 billion, was to children under the age of 12. And of course, children under the age of, age of 12 aren't supposed to be using any of those services. And this is the real issue. You know, they are generating income. So what we're asking of these online services is to not to not advertise to children, to not uh, serve up, you know, to not use a recommender system to serve up content to them, to not profile them, not target them with advertising. So they don't, they will no longer be um, you know, have that potential to earn them money. So I, we're either going to have to look at a completely different mo- model where maybe you, you know, pay to subscribe or, you know, we're going to have to say, well, look, this is just the investment you have to make for future users that you, and, and, and if not, you will face penalties because we've got to protect children's childhoods. Let's finish with a story that you brought before that Eroctus committee of someone who who contacted Cyber Safe Kids because they're really worried about her 13-year-old daughter. What happened there? 
Yeah, so we get calls from time to time from from sometimes it's teachers, sometimes it's parents uh, in relation to particular cases. And this particular parent had reached out because her daughter, who had been bullied online, had and, and, and her parents were unaware, unfortunately, that she had experienced this bullying. She had kept it to herself. But she had seen a, a trend on TikTok where you share your personal story, whatever it is of, of being bullied or of self-harming or, you know, sometimes even of, of, of things like sexual assault. So there were these young girls sharing their story, you know, under this hashtag of kind of mental health awareness. Uh, they, there was another hashtag venting. And they were posting these stories and, and really telling quite intimate details you know so this particular child had talked about the fact that she had self-harmed she had tried to restrict her eating because the bullying had been around her weight Mm. um and this she'd shared this video unknown unbeknownst to her parents and it had had four thousand views it had had multiple comments and obviously the the issue here is that it's it's you know that's a tremendously vulnerable child so when her parents obviously became aware of it the, the the video was taken down but then what happened was that her feed was being overwhelmed with content of this nature and this was tremendously distressing for her parents because you know th- this is a young girl of 13 who is being bombarded effectively with these very sad stories and it was really impacting on her mental health so she reached out to us to say what can we do we did obviously reach out to TikTok uh, we talked to her about how she could reset the for you feed so that it, it you know reset that and hopefully would not serve up this kind of content any longer uh, we flagged it with the online safety commissioner as well but i mean i think think this is a real concern that this is a child of 13 being served such harmful content and it's had such a dramatic impact on both this child and her family. Mm. Lastly uh, Alex people sometimes think parents sometimes look at what their children are doing with devices and they think I can't possibly keep up with that I am overwhelmed by that. What do you say to those parents? I have huge sympathy for those parents. I, you know, as I say, I am a parent. I know it's 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 not an easy job, but but we do have loads of great resources to support parents. We're really conscious of the fact that we need to support parents. This is something we also say to the government. We need, we're urging them to, to invest money into awareness campaigns and support resources. This is why we launched that Same Rules Apply campaign on Safer Internet Day last week. We also have on our website a parenting guide. It's called the Better, uh, Better Digital Parenting, and it's available for free on our website. And it really is aimed at parents at any stage. So you could be a parent where all of this is ahead of you. Maybe you have young children. They don't have smart devices yet or you're a parent who's in the thick of it who's you know has a has a young teen and is worried about you know how to better engage hopefully there's something there for everyone so i'd really urge any parent listening who's worried about this there's great advice out there so there's our uh, website cybersafekids.ie there's also webwise.ie that has some some great resources too and one of the ones that i often use as a parent is commonsensemedia.org they have such great reviews of different apps and games that children want to play and it's really a balanced review so it's an it's a, their expert view. They also have parent reviews. They have child reviews. So if your child comes home and says, I want to be on Snapchat, go and look it up. See what the experts say. Make a considered decision about whether or not it's right for your child. If you decide, yes, this is something I'm going to allow my child to be on, but under these conditions, you know, put those clear boundaries in place. The fact, you know, for example, turn off um, the turn on ghost mode with Snap Maps so they're not revealing their location. Make sure they're not sharing any more information or any personal information. You know, there, there are definitely things yeah. that you can do as a parent. So loads of great info. Please is it a cop-out to say, well, they know more than me because the stuff is there for you to learn? 
it, that is no that is no, no longer acceptable mm-hmm. there is so much good information as we as we parent our children offline you know we we do all these things for our children teaching them to ride a bike safely teaching them to cross the road safely we do that and it takes years and, and it's something that we know we have to do as parents this is we've got to extend that same logic that same practice to children being online okay my very last question to you alex if you wind the clock back 20 years to when all of these things were either a not in non-existent or be in their infancy would we shut would we would we have shut them down there and then if we know if we knew then what we know now i don't and 20 years is a very apt uh time frame because actually facebook was launched 20 years ago so yeah that is that's a perfect time to take us back to what i would love to do if if we could turn back time was to ensure that that, that there was proper child-centered design of these services a recognition that children would be using these services and a a recognition of how that plays out in the design and how we can better protect children from the outset because that's the thing that's missing this is how we started this conversation saying children are an afterthought children are guinea pigs in this digital age i'd love to change that and say children children's safety uh, and protection is a central design consideration of any new service being rolled out and i think that's something we have to really look at moving forward. Alex, always a pleasure to speak with you on the opinion. And Alex Cooney, CEO of Cyber Safe Kids, with a lot to think about. Your children are on social media, be they seven or 17. Keeping up with that is kind of your job, and the resources are out there, because if you don't look after them, well, the operators aren't, the platforms aren't, and so far the government isn't. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, on the Eroctus committees and all of that, and chatting with Alex about the Eroctus committee that she uh, was before yesterday. You see where the media committee is meeting again today to discuss the toy show, the musical debacle, uh, and, and and all of that. Uh, your newspapers have, have all the details if you want to go looking at it. But there's a story that's in the papers and in the, the news, indeed, that the... RTE bosses who'll attend that meeting today, they include Shuni Rahalig, the chair of the board, they include the director general, Kevin Backhurst, I'm sure there will be other people, but more notable is the list of people who won't be there. Now, Dee Forbes, the former director general, has a sick note and she's being excused for health reasons, but Rory Coveney won't be there, former director of strategy. Breda O'Keefe former chief financial officer won't be there. Some of the people who were very key to the kind of decisions being discussed at the Eroctus Media Committee just not going. Do you know? And we we do have I think anyway, a disgraceful situation when it comes to Eroctus Committees that unless like look on D Forbes clearly under medical advice isn't able to attend. That's what her doctors tell us and that that's the situation, but others, it appears, can just say, "Well, thanks, lads," but no thanks, lads. I don't, I don't think that's right. Do you know, they talk about people in RTE being paid for by the by the taxpayer, and, and so many of them are, but these people are all paid by the taxpayer. They're all paid by taxpayers' money, you know, and they can just get the invitation and go, "Well, thanks, lads," but no thanks.
Not good enough, I think. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Corks 96 FM Corks Gold Imro Award winning sports show. Right, right here, right then. The score on Cork's 96 FM. Join me, Trevor Welch, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix on all the latest sport as we focus on a busy weekend of Gaelic games and Cork City begin the new season with a monster derby against Kerry at Turner's Cross. Right here, right now. Join Trevor Welch for the score this Sunday from 2 p.m. With Versus Bookmakers of Winthrop Street, where no team, no dream guides every play. See versusbet.ie. Right here, right now. On Cork's 96 FM. Kevin says you should be compelled by way of subpoena or summons when called to appear before an Eructus committee. A lot of people would agree with you, Kev. I have a faint memory. I'm open to correction on this. It just dawned on me, Kev, as I read your comment. I'm happy to go and check it out. But I think we had a referendum about compelability and about being able to force people to come before Eructus committees. And I think that referendum was rejected. I may be wrong. But it followed a case involving a man called John Carty. Uh, and there was a, a standoff with Gardaí up the country. It's quite a number of years ago now. And I think, I think we might have had a referendum about compelability. Happy to look that up, and I will. 0818 96 96 96. Just on the TV licence, um, a lot of people talking about it these days. Sinn Féin bringing forward a motion to scrap it immediately and replace it with some kind of a tax or a levy. Um, I see in the news this morning now that others want it scrapped and tax the providers more, more heavily. There's a lot, an awful lot of people haven't paid their TV licence since the Tubridge thing broke last summer and the whole RTE payments scandal broke last summer. A lot of people just didn't renew their television licence. We had a long, hard discussion in, in our house. Um, eventually herself paid the licence because she said, look, I'll, I'll pay it. I'll pay it every year. I don't want the hassle of not paying it. But it was after a long discussion that we paid it. Um, Cian Prendival is a people before profit candidate for Ireland South in the upcoming European elections. Cian, you, you believe abolish it completely and re- what, replace it with nothing? Good morning. Morning. How are things? Good. Yeah. Um, uh, what we're saying is that the TV licence fee was unfair from the from the very beginning. Uh, to be honest with you, like a hundred and sixty euro flat tax, whether you're living in a, a mansion or whether you're on minimum wage, it's it's totally unfair, it's unjust. Uh, um, and what we're advocating is that it should be scrapped and replaced with uh, uh, a tax on the big media and social media giants that are making money hand over fist in this country. Uh, let's tax that and use it to invest in proper public service broadcasting. But the the main thing here is come, that come the, back though just let's pick that like let's yeah. pick that apart slightly. So you say it's the same license fee for uh, mm-hmm. a working class household and a mansion, but they are effectively paying for the same thing, Kian. No matter but what you have, the tele- there's only the same thing comes out of the television. I understand, I understand, but I, I think the way we should be funding public services in this country, whether it's 
TV, uh, public service broadcasting, whether it's healthcare or housing or whatever, the way we should be funding public services is through progressive taxes. Now, we're a wealthy country. There's two people, two billionaires in this country that between the two of them own more wealth than half the population of the country combined. Um, we need to be taxing those billionaires a lot, an awful lot more than we're doing, rather than flat taxes like the TV license or things like the universal social charge. Um, we need to be taxing people, the rich. People would agree with you on that, but the only thing, and you say tax, one of the things you say is tax the providers, tax the big companies, tax the big commercial companies. You have a problem, and it's the old oldest problem in politics, Keen. if you start doing that, you tax big commercial operators. What about the old adage, he who pays the piper call the tune? So you couldn't possibly have anything that wasn't commercially tainted, so to speak, if the taxes were coming from big business. Because they say, well, we're paying for this, so we'll tell you what's on it. Well, that's already been sort of the part of the problem, which is that RTE, because it's and on the one hand publicly funded but on the other hand heavily dependent on private advertising you had the situation where like the, the Late Late Show was sponsored by a car company and very rarely talked about the, the, the climate crisis you know um, the private do you think TV that was influenced by the sponsor do you? I, I, we don't know um, you don't know the, poses questions yeah exactly it poses question that that if you have you all we already had public service broadcasting that was actually heavily dependent on private advertised funding unlike say the bbc um, and that's one of the things in our proposal is actually to move to a fully publicly funded uh, um model. which is a license fee that's a license fee bbc uh, yes, exactly. But 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 there, there's already been proposals in Britain as well for something similar, for abolishing their TV license and re- replacing it in a big tech tax, uh, um, and that's sort of the, what we're pushing for here as well. But the the writing's on the wall for the TV license fee. Let's just be clear, like yeah, uh, in August oh, don't get me wrong, year, it's not something I like paying. Well, now, I, I, do I get well, value for money for it? That's another question. But it's not something anyone likes paying because so, some people don't have. A TV, and moreover, some people don't watch RTE, they just have Netflix or something like that. They still have to pay their TV license, even if they only have Netflix. They feel that's Well, if you don't have a TV... If you, if you don't have a TV, you can fill in the form to say that you don't have a TV and therefore aren't due to, to pay. Uh, and there's about 200,000 households that do that. Mm. Uh, um, uh, uh, but that added to that now is like hundreds of thousands of households that had paid before that are now joining the boycott and stopping paying. Um, and what is the government going to do about it? Like they, they have 40 uh, TV license inspectors. They have another 10 that they can bring on uh, on call at times. Um, like the, the writing's on the wall for this tax. Uh, um, what they're talking about doing now is bringing 13,000 people to court. Uh, um, that is a massive waste of court time, of taxpayers' money. Uh, um, and like what it's the, 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 the scandal here is that we have, like we know of tax dodgers, big business tax dodgers that are not having that same uh, uh, being dragged before court. Um, in fact, the Irish government is going to court to protect the likes of Apple from their tax bill. You know, So it's it, the, the injustice here is palpable. Mm. Um, and rather than wasting more time trying to chase down people for a tax that uh, they simply do not want to pay, we should be scrapping the TV licence fee. Mm. Let's give an amnesty like we did with the water charges. Let's give an amnesty. There, there is uh, an argument those. also to be made, Kian, lastly and briefly, that Break it down. It's 160 euro for 365 days a year, which works out at less than 45 cents a day. Not mm-hmm. huge, really. Uh, yeah, and I understand that. And like, I think, um, and I, I am not 
arguing against. And by the way, I'd rather not have to pay that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Of course, I understand. Yeah, we don't. But but I I think like uh, and you look at good programs have been produced by RT. The like the likes of love hate and things like that that were produced. But um, and if we we need to get to where we're producing very good public service media, we're investing in Irish language programming and creating uh, giving a platform to Irish comedians and Irish actors and Irish artists much more so. But what we're saying is the way that that should be funded is not through a flat tax that hits the poorest hardest but it's actually through a progressive tax on big business and the rich. And if we're going to be sending uh, uh, the the sheriffs out to try to chase down uh, tax dodgers, let's send them after the billionaire tax dodgers, the big business tax dodgers, rather than ordinary people who are just trying to get by. €160 might be peanuts for... Some for for the Leo Varadkars of this world, but for others, it's two weeks shopping. You know, so this is true. No, no, I never said it was peanuts. I just I just made the, the comparison that it is about forty five cents a keen for no reason other than the time. I'm going to leave it there. Let's see what people think. Is it time to completely do away with the television license fee? What do you think? Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six, and they are dragging a lot of people before the courts at the moment for non payment, which which. Didn't Sinn Féin want to give an amnesty to all those people who have been uh, summoned for, for non-payment? Your, your thoughts are welcome. 0818 Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Corks 96 FM The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Ah, the memory isn't too bad now politically, I have to tell you. I knew it. I knew it. Kevin was saying a while ago that people should be compelled under subpoena to come before an Oroctus committee. This is in connection with the members of the RTE board, past and present, so to speak, who have just been able to say to the media committee of the Oroctus, well, well, thanks for the invitation, lads, but we won't be turning up. Um, D Forbes has a sick note and has had that sick note since, since last year. Uh, Breda O'Keefe, the former chief financial officer, won't be going along. Rory Coveney, former director of strategy, won't be going along. In fact, some of the most important people involved in this whole toy show, the musical debacle, won't be going along. They've been just, they're just saying thanks, but no thanks, lads. And they're entitled to do that. And I was, Kevin was saying they should be compelable. Well, back in 2011, Kev, I knew I was right. I knew it. We had a referendum on the 30th Amendment to the Constitution. We had a referendum back in October of 2011, followed a very tragic case, which you can look up. John Carty, Abby Lara will give you the whole history of a very tragic case uh, up the country back in the year 2000 involving a, a man who barricades himself into his house. But that subsequently led to this constitutional referendum in 2011, which would have given Eroctus committees much stronger powers and might would have allowed them to compel people to come before and Oroctus committee. That referendum was put to the people and the people rejected it. So there was much stronger powers for Oroctus committees were proposed in a referendum in 2011 and the people of Ireland voted against them. That's that, that I guess, 
is democracy. But that is what kind of allows people now to say uh, thanks, but no thanks, lads. Thanks. It's so nice, so nice of you to invite us, but 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 thanks anyway. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six on the cost of the television license. Um. It's 13 euro a month. I'd hate to have a government in place who dictates what the state broadcaster is allowed to ask because they exclusively control the budget. If you think it's far-fetched, look what happened since the Tories appointed one of their own, a Director General of Ofcom. Well, there are many who believe, many who believe that even in its present state of funding, that RTE is is almost uh, an apologist for government. There are many who believe that. There are many who don't believe that. Bernie says, why are RTE not being properly held accountable for their actions? Well, I think, Bernie, I, I sort of explained that in my answer to Kev. But one of the reasons that people in high places, and not just RTE, if I'm ordered to go, or if I'm, if I'm invited, you can't be ordered, if I'm invited to appear before an Oireachtas committee, I can say thanks, but no thanks. Um... That, that's just how it is and if you're wondering why <laughs> when we had an opportunity to vote for those powers we turned it down back in 2011 0818 96 96 96 you'll have seen it growing from the rubble uh, outside Anglesey Street fire station over the last while the fireman's rest the fireman's hut which also was a busman's hut for years that stood there at the top of Patrick Street under Father Matthew. Disappeared years ago, it was languishing, gathering dust in Fitzgerald's Park. Now it is being rebuilt outside Anglesey Street Fire Station. It's not a very big building. It's, no, I'd say it's half the size of a prefab. And so far, so far, it has cost over €200,000. And by the time it's finished, will cost another Hundred grand. Those figures came up at council earlier this week in response to a question from independent councillor Ken O'Flynn. Ken, I'm looking at a picture of it here outside the forest. Like three hundred grand for what? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you this morning? And uh, uh, a happy Valentine's Day. And to you, sir. I, I'm sure you got loads of cards this morning. You're my best friend. <laughs> Thanks. But, um, look, I suppose, PJ, just um, to give you a bit of context around it, I put down the question because, um, you know, I think we were all delighted to see the fireman's hut back uh, and and refurbished and repurposed and uh, back in, in the public domain. You know, it was a very popular spot. I think we all have probably memories going over getting getting bus timetables and the whole lot mm-hmm. when it was in Patrick Street and the big flower bed in front of it and chatting with the lads and you know it has a long history a hundred years. You'd meet for an old jag outside there, like you know, a lot of people did, or under the clock, or outside Rochester stores. <laughs> um, but look, uh, you know, look, it, you know, it has nostalgia and and people, you know, over the years, people said to me, where did it go? What happened to it? Um, you know, in 2017, I asked the question in City Council, where is it? And we've then found out that it was uh, languishing uh, in, a st- in a storage yard in Fitzgerald's Park. Um, a further investigation from other journalists and, uh, and the likes found out that it was in a very bad state of disrepair and that it had been removed in 2002 on the refurbishment of Patrick Street along with some of the lamps out of Patrick Street and all that sort of stuff as well. 
and some other street furniture mm. and uh, that it had been put into storage. No, the storage that it was put into was, was you know, subpar to say the least. Here we are after, you know, lots of people bringing up this issue to a lot of elected representatives and writing into City Hall about the city nostalgia and, and heritage and the importance that this played throughout the city as both a busman's hut, the tram company's hut and... and mm. uh, Earlier on, the fireman's hut, you know, the life that it had. Yeah, the history is the history is lovely, and it's lovely to see it back. But yeah. three hundred grand. Well, look, you know, we all we all realise that heritage comes at a price. But at three hundred grand, it seems absolutely, you know, amazing to me that you could come up with a price of three hundred grand. Um, like I put down the questions, expecting that the cost was going to be maybe thirty, forty, fifty thousand maximum. You know, relocation, uh, all that sort of stuff. I believe there is document. Uh, you know that the tenders did go out. There was only three tenders applied for us. Um, um, I'm mean, being assured that it's specialised work, um, that this has been replaced, that has been replaced, and as I, as you know, I'm quoted in the Evening Echo either last night or today. Um, of referring to it as a rather like Trigger's brush and only fools and horses, you know, <laughs> 15 heads and 16 new handles. Is, is, is there a um, gold-plated I, toilet with diamond-encrusted handles going into it or something? Well, well, I, well, I didn't see that anywhere on the list. Look, I'm asking for a breakdown as well because I, it just seems absolutely shocking to me that something that would cost, you know, a, a three- to four-bedroom semi-detached price in Cork is costing what is a little bit bigger than a garden shed, and that's, that's the reality yeah. of it. Yeah. I think heritage has its place. I am delighted to see it restored, having said that, and I think that's the right and proper thing to do. But, you know, there's a lesson to be learned from this. Yeah. Like, okay, you, you'd have to have laid, you'd, you'd have to have put down a proper little concrete plinth. And looked after and maintained. Sorry, can you, you, you'd have had to put down a... has a price, of course. Can you hear me? You know, if we're not looking after yeah. furniture, the same conversations that I've had with you in the past about the dust cone fountain, where yeah. the missing fountain, which is yeah. never yeah. found. Um, you know, things that are thrown into storage yards and left to rot. They yeah. have historical importance, and yeah. then we come along and decide that actually, yes, heritage officers and people agree that there is a, a historical importance, and it's costing us 300000 to to restore. It just doesn't make sense. It's bad <laughs> management. It's bad planning on the... Well, well I'd be interested in knowing the, the cost breakdown when you do get that list that you've asked for. But, I mean, you would have to have, you would have, to have a concrete base for it, clearly, and you'd have to have proper... Compliant structures within, but still, I mean, I can't wait to see that list. Are you there? Oh. Ken's gone off the line, lads. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I heard him drop in there. See if you can get him back. So yeah, this you, you, if, you, if you're driving past, you'll see it. It's it's lovely, and if you remember it, moreover, if you remember it from Patrick Street, it's lovely to have it back. But as Ken said, it's it's no bigger than a decent-sized garden shed. And you would have to put concrete under it to sit it up in it. Um, what else would you need to do with it? Like, What else would you need to do with it to comply with, with, with health and safety and comply with engineering standards and comply with this and comply with that? He's put in for a list, a breakdown, and we'll see where that... With that goes. Thank you, Ken. Sorry to lose you off the line. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Um, on the Eructus committees, PJ, you can Dennis, you can have all the papers put through the doll you like. A simple doctor's note overrides everything. You're too sick to attend. You're too sick to attend. 
I got out of jury duty four times in my life with a simple doctor's note, said Dennis. Yes, and I think we, we have to respect the fact that D Forbes is being excused on the basis that uh, she is unwell and has been unwell, we understand, for quite some time. And I think somebody else that's not turning up today is also saying that for personal and family reasons, they cannot be there. But the point is, if you ask why we can't compel them to be there, then we need to look back at our own history and remind ourselves that we voted. We voted against a referendum that would have allowed people to be compelled. There is war brewing in Douglas over bus connects and local businesses. There are big plans for Douglas with regard to bus connects and a lot of business people in the town or in the village are not happy. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Corks 96 FM The Big Drive Home With Izzy Showbizzy It's so on Cork's 96 FM. Join me weekdays from 4 pm where I play your favourite tune and celebrate whatever is going on in your life. Can I request Yes and by Ariana Grande? I just bought my first car and now me and my dad are on the drive home listening to 96 FM. Oh. We'll have the chats. Lisa, are you ready to meet the man of your dreams? <laughs> yeah. Plus, I'll have Oak Fire pizza vouchers to give away and I'll have more on the word. Your chance to win free money right here on Cork's 96 FM. Join me weekdays from 4 p.m. The Big Drive Home. You can drive me home. With Izzy Show Busy. Cork's 96 FM. 96 FM. Now, like everywhere else, there are plans for Douglas with regard to uh, bus connect this transport plan which will change all of our public transport infrastructure around Cork in the next number of years should it go ahead. This time last year people were amazed and upset and horrified that some of John Spillane's cherry trees might have to be pulled up in in Ballyfahan and I think that one got struck off the list. Now in Douglas they're very worried about the future of local businesses with the way bus connects will go through the village. It's prompted Peter Collins of Barry's, Barry's and Douglas, to write to Anne Graham, who is the chief exec of the National Transport Authority, and he has invited Anne Graham to come to Douglas, meet with local business owners, and see what they have to say about the plans. Because, Peter, you say that the plans in Bus Connect will effectively turn your end of the village into a bus station and the other end into a car park. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, that's that's correct, PJ. Yeah, I think we, we see the plans as they currently are that, that Douglas will become a very fine bus station uh, but at the cost of uh, our businesses here and uh, obviously for, for access for the many residents that live around the area as well who will be hugely affected by it. Because if I'm reading it correctly and the maps are hard to, dis- are, are hard to, to follow the main Douglas, the main street through Douglas, there, if you like, the front, front Douglas by your bar, by your, by by um, by O'Driscoll's there, that will just be a bus lane for most of the day. Um, yeah, well, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Now, to be fair, okay. um, it, it, I suppose if, if you if you if you kind of take a step back, VJ, the 
uh, entry points and and exit points of the village are being uh, constricted, culminating with the uh, which I think is appalling the abolition of the. Um, of the finger post around the boat to a signalised junction. Um, so uh, the bus connects corridor basically will mean that the entry and points and the exit service are severely restricted to car traffic, uh, prioritising buses. And, um, you know, we, we feel that, th- that, you know, if the village is to survive, everybody uh, has to have access equally. Um, the, the, I, I, I think, you know, to be fair, there's a lot of good in the bus connects um, proposals. Mm-hmm. You know, there's plenty of good stuff there. It's, it's you know, it's, it's all about reducing emissions. And and I have to say straight out, the business owners that I that I am speaking for here, the 15 of us over in in uh, East Douglas area, and some residents as well that I've spoken to. You know, we all see the good of um, uh, emission reduction. Um, we see, uh, uh, and I get the bus myself. My family do into, into town, and you know, we. Increases services to be welcomed, all the bits and pieces that come with it. It's the corridor is the issue, and the way that the NTA are treating locals uh, by ramming this through without care or credence to uh, business owners or residents. Because the one thing I would have thought, as a local resident myself, as you know, is logically you could use the the what you might call the little ring road around there by by McDonald's and by Dunn's yeah. and bring the so, buses down there rather than through. The main street, which is already a traffic. Yeah. Um, so, so this is the, probably the issue: is that we have made submissions and we have had meetings and proposals with the Bus Connects team, and they've all been ignored. That point you just brought up, being one of them, is to create. That's called a Douglas Relief Road. That would be from the Finger Post, over past Douglas Court, over past McDonald's, uh, and all the way to the to the, the Douglas Road Junction. There, plenty of room in that. We actually, we actually also asked them, could they? Uh, could they construct a bus station over in between KFC and the ESB substation? And it would make a central point, of, it would make it like a terminus area for yeah. Douglas, and we think it would enhance the area. It would be great for people who want to use the buses. And again, that proposal was ignored. So we're not being listened to. We we have made suggestions. We, we want to operate and, and work with these people, but they ain't listening. And unfortunately, it's, it's try, you know, we're staring on the barrel of a gun here because in about six months' time, the process changed to a statutory one whereby, you know, it's it's a planning situation then and we all know where what happens then with planning and board finale and judicial reviews and all that. But, you know, that's probably what we're looking at here uh, as business owners and residents. If Bus Connects don't alter their draft pre- three plan, which is currently what's out. And I would I, I also say to PJ, I'd ask, urge your listeners who use schools in the morning, who go shopping, who go to work in the area that transit through Douglas to take a look at what the proposals are and when politicians are out and local elections coming soon to make sure that they make their when, when they make their mind up that the mm-hmm. question about it because Douglas is it's it's a you know, it gets busy but you know, I'm staring out here at the moment, it's fine. There's times when it gets busy but it works. Yeah. Uh, it's not perfect, mind you. But um if this plan is adopted, this school journey from just take Maryborough Hill up to Ballinlock or to um, Douglas Road or Douglas Community School or any of those schools, that journey time by car on a, on a cold Tuesday when the wind or snow is coming in sideways yeah. uh, in February, uh, w- you know, it, it'll be chaotic. Absolutely chaotic. As you know, local resident of many years standing, I know exactly what you're talking about. Now, you presently there in Barry's, you have 75 full and part-time staff. 
And you had been planning, you had been planning a renovation and an extension. You put that on hold because of this. Yeah, I put that on hold. And I, I suppose, look, you, you know, you have to say that Barry's is, is trading away and we're very happy with our trade, but you're always looking around the corner to do the next best thing. And we're, we're due a, a rehab here. And I've, I had plans to extend the premises and to in, do an internal refit, but I'm, I paused them for the moment uh, until such time as we get a bit of clarity on this because I, I feel I feel so strongly that if that plan is adopted to East Douglas Street, it will have a detrimental effect on my business. It says it all. And others like you are saying the same thing. You've other, other businesses yeah, around there. There's, there's, there's a, a big medical um, practices here within the village. There's yeah. a couple of them. There's dental practices. There's pharmacies. It's not just confined to hospitality. And, and, and they are as worried as, as I have, uh, as I am uh, about about it. Um, but I, I really think that, you know, it's up to the, like we, we, we have... Uh, we've made submissions, we've done all the hand-holding, we've attended all the meetings, we've made suggestions, we've made submissions, we've walked with them, but they, they will not listen to us. Interestingly, PJ, I know that other groups, and it, this is a city-wide problem, yeah. seem to have got concessions. Uh, we have got, gone, I suppose, of, of the plan. I think there's only there's only one concession being granted, which really isn't one, which which was a, a there were there was a proposed ban and turning left at the Douglas Junction there next to the garage. If you wanted to come, like if you were on the Douglas Relief Road, and you wanted to turn left back into the village, there was a, 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 a prohibition on that. Yeah. They have since gone back in that, but that's the only concession we've got. Yeah. But it, it, it's it's not just one thing; it's it's many other things. We that. Uh, We've asked them to look at Douglas uh, from a traffic point of view and maybe consider a one-way system, which has been unsuccessfully up in a couple of um, villages like uh, Douglas in, in Dublin, albeit bigger now, Black Rock being one and Monkstone yes. being another one, uh, where they've successfully uh, you know, married their, their bus connects, bus lanes and uh, cycle lanes and pedestrian priority and all that, that stuff, that, which has to be welcomed. But they've done it in such a way with, with a one-way system so we've asked the NTA to model this for us and we've been met with silence. So yeah. It's the silence, Peter, is really bothering you and your colleagues down there, I know. You've actually asked uh, Anne Graham, the CEO of the National Transport Authority, you've, you've put it in writing to her, come to Douglas, meet your colleagues and hear what they have to say. Do you expect a response to that? Well, I've got a response letter, which was a holding letter, uh, which was... Um, to be honest with you, quite dismissive uh, in many in the tone of it. But look, I'm kind of used to that now from them. Uh, but I don't have a, I, as of today, I don't have a meeting or we don't have a meeting with the NTA to, to work out these, pro- work out the, you know, the, all this, um, the, it's silence. Um, and to be fair, um, you know, our local representatives have been very good. There was a, a motion passed on, on City Hall on, on Monday night um, to, uh, uh you know, passing a motion for asking the NTA to re-engage with us, and all the councillors voted unanimously for us. To be fair to them, it was, it was led by Des Laird or Des uh, Cal, uh, um, and uh, I'm very thankful for them for all their support on it. So, to be fair, uh, the local representatives are seem to be behind us, mm. uh, but the NTA won't, won't just just won't come and meet us. Okay, all right. Listen, we'll we'll follow it with interest, and uh, as I say, because as a local resident uh, who knows exactly what Peter is talking about. Thank you, Peter Collins, uh, owner of Barry's of Douglas, and there would be a lot. We are well. I often say it about Douglas. We are so well served. For example, with pubs and restaurants and places to eat and places to shop in Douglas, 
we are so well served that anything that would affect those businesses would affect all of us. Thanks, Peter. I'd love to hear from anybody else with their thoughts. And this bus connects thing is not gone away, you know. It's not. I remember taking a call here one time. Was it last year or the year before? Probably last year from a man on the Douglas Road who was laughing as he told me that if Bus Connects went ahead the way he was reading it, PJ, he said, there'll be a bus stop by my kitchen island. So I think that one got scrapped. Around the world, they do strange things on Valentine's Day, you know. In, in the, the US, they have directories or diaries of what flowers mean. Did you know there's such a thing as a dictionary of what flowers mean? A woman called Elizabeth White Nelson wrote that book and she said uh, she wrote dictionaries and she said every flower has a different meaning so therefore every bunch of flowers and every flower in a bunch has a different meaning if you gave someone snowdrops it meant you had hope for them if you gave them yellow acacias you had hidden love for them so be careful what you put into a bouquet of flowers today Be careful what you're saying. In Germany, I like this. In Germany, they give people gingerbread. Heart-shaped gingerbread biscuits. They're supposed to be nice, too. Supposed to be very nice. But they also give people pig products. It seems that pigs are associated... I'm only reading it! Pigs are associated with Valentine's Day in Germany. Um, The animal symbolizes good luck. So are you saying that you get gingerbread and rashers to your loved one? That's what it is. You give gingerbread and rashers to your loved one for Valentine's Day in Germany. Men get chocolate in Japan. I like this one. See, the Japanese have had some great ideas over the years. In Japan, on Valentine's Day, you give chocolate to the man. The women obviously get a present too. But you give chocolate to a man. And sometimes they give him white chocolate. Or you can keep the white chocolate. I'm not a fan of white chocolate. Way too sweet. But in Japan, they give men chocolate. I like that. I do like that. In the Philippines, on Valentine's Day, they have loads and loads of weddings all at once. They hold mass weddings. Because Philippines is one of the poorest places in the world, a lot of poverty there. So the local governments in places like Manila got together and they have this idea where they have a mass wedding. Everyone gets married on the one day at the one time. In 2010, for example, this is a record breaker, Valentine's Day in 2010, um, 1,500 couples tied the knot at at the town hall. 1,500, 3,000 people got married at the town hall in Manila on Valentine's Day in, in 2014. I like that. I like that a lot. And in the U.S., again, we started, so we'll finish in the U.S. Um, you can name something after your partner or your ex-partner. And in Brookfield Zoo in Chicago and the Bronx Zoo and the San Antonio Zoo, they actually have something very special you can name after your ex. You can actually go along to the Bronx Zoo and you can name, properly name, christen like a cockroach after you. I, I'm not, I'm, like I said, I'm just reading this. You can christen a cockroach after your ex. 
at the Bronx Zoo or at Brookfield Zoo in Chicago. You can have a cockroach in the zoo named after your ex. Only in America. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Corks 96 FM From time to time, a lot of people come to us um, when they've exhausted every other avenue between county council, TDs, you name it, they've tried everyone by the parish priest to see can we help them. Um, where is this housing estate in for my Rory? Good morning to you. Hi PJ, good morning. Uh, this housing estate is in the north side of Formoy, it's Beachfield Estate. So it's kind of, uh, as you go over the bridge from the Cork side, just up at the crossroads at the top of town. Okay. We're in, we're in behind the Aldi shopping centre, so we're kind of a cul-de-sac in the estate. Right. There's six houses down here. Okay. So... <clears throat> Since last October, we've had no streetlights. Now, you can see, you can't see your hand in front of your face at night time. So is it just six houses in one part of the estate? or is In is one that, part of the estate, yeah. The, the rest of the estate is further on down than just I across see. the road from us. I see. So we're kind of blocked from shopping centres on either side of us, you know. I see. And, so, and would you, what, what kind of lights would you have there? You have a couple of poles, is it? We have two poles that, that light up our area, you know. So the two of them aren't working. When did they last no, work? October. October. Uh, October bank holiday weekend. I think before that they were doing a bit of work on the utilities or broadband. Yeah. And since then we haven't had lights, so we've contacted everyone, as I've said in my message to your, your staff. Um, we contacted all our councillors. We've been on to the council. We've went to Bryn O'Gorman, who's the town engineer, and we get the same answer. Big job, a lot of work to be done. Uh, won't be ready anytime soon. And then I got on to Liam Casey, who's in charge of the lighting, told me last week that they'd be coming this week to do a bit of work. They came yesterday. I met the workmen themselves. Uh, they're contracted by the council. I asked them what they were doing. They told me they had to dig the hole and they would be getting the ESP to come out to do the rest of the work. But that could be a month's time. And I was going, but they left in and all they done was put a, two row cones around the hole uh, with yellow or red and white tape. And I have three small children that, you know, that's where they're going to go. There's no fencing or nothing. And I haven't seen anyone since, you know. Do they know what's wrong with the lights? Was their work being done or did they just go out? They said they cut out some wire. This was the first initial time they told us they cut some wire. So I was like saying, okay, they have to fix that. But they, they, then they're coming back to us and telling us that there's ducting has to be put in and the ESB have to do that. And then they were saying that um, when I met the workers yesterday, they told me that... It's 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 a problem all over the county. Mallow have problems with it. That the the wiring is so out of date that it's actually illegal to put it in the ground now. So oh, I don't know. It's a huge issue. The lights, I'd say, they're over thirty years. My this is my wife's family home, so we're living here, and she's here for forty years. So I think they're about thirty years old. They were telling me. Right, right. So, so yeah, ducting ducting wouldn't have been a thing. Back in the day. Yeah, yeah, back in the day, I suppose, yeah. But what we can understand, like, I understand the technical side of it. Obviously, there's big work to be done, holes have to be dug. But we just feel we're not being listened to. Yeah. Uh, lack of respect for the residents here. You know, I have elderly neighbours next door to me. They're well, 75. They're active members. You know, really, they, all, all of people who pay tax and pay property tax on exactly. their houses. Yeah. This is what, this is a service. It's, it's not, it's a great service to have, but our money is paying for it, you know. So mm. we've been without that service for nearly, it's over four months now. And then to be told another month, now I know the evenings are getting a bit brighter, but still five o'clock, you know yourself, half five, it's pitch dark, like. Yeah. 
yeah. the winter was hard enough trying to get kids to cars and I might have my next door neighbour's daughter goes to work early in the morning, you know, and she has to walk through that dark. You know, it's not nice for you know, you feel unsafe kind of in the dark, like you know. Well, you would, wouldn't you? I mean six yeah, houses, yeah, yeah. it's a small little section of an estate. Yeah. On a dark winter's night. And um, anyone, man or woman, would be nervous walking in would the Would be nervous. Way. I'm a big guy. I'm a big enough structured guy. You know, I'm a big guy, but I'm not afraid of dark. But, you know, I'd be, I'd be nervous enough coming down. You know, you don't know who's around in the dark. Like. Mm. And everyone <laughs> says to you the same thing. That it's it not as simple the as... the same message, yeah. It's kind of like the emails you get, you know, the general email I got from Liam Casey. And in fairness, they did all contact me back, like. Yeah. But it's still no no solution to it. Or no kind of time scale to it. And I even suggested a couple of times, could you get timed portable lighting that you have when you're doing work on the streets and stuff? I yeah. don't know how that works, but you know what I mean? At night time when they're doing works, maybe they could put a timer on it. Yeah. Turns off at 11, comes back on at mm. 6 or something. Charged by a solar battery. I've seen them all over the country. Charged by a solar battery. We're in the age of technology. These things can be done, you know. But yeah. they're not even... I have suggested this to our county councillors to the council themselves, to Liam Casey, and I have got no response. Now, I emailed Liam Casey again last night. Now, maybe he hasn't got my email yet. He might get back to me yet before the day is out. But, you know, we're trying our best here as, as residents, and mm. it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So we said, you know what, we'll get on to PJ on 96FM. Because well, I, I appreciate the faith, um, and certainly I, I can I cannot for the life of me understand, Rory, why it takes... I don't know. Five I'd months. be the same, you know, you're working in the private sector. If I was doing a job like that, I'd be, I'd be long out of the job if it took me five months to fix something that a customer needed, well, you know. It reminded me of something that I saw happen myself years ago when I was on holidays in, in Lanzarote, and it was what brought these solar-powered things to, to mind. There, there's yeah. a notorious junction outside the capital city of Arecife, and the lights were out, and it's very dangerous when the lights are out. And what they, yeah. within days, they had brought in one of these huge temporary displays within about two days and it just yeah. ran by solar power until they got yeah. the lights fixed and that's 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 not a hard solution you know because like they obviously have these lights in the councils councils all over the country you know yeah. they use them all the time so now maybe they're they're generator ones that make noise but you know they obviously have solar panel ones as well you know and it, it's not a big light we need it's only a small if it was in the corner of our cul-de-sac now and it was on you'd have no problem light up the entrance and moreover with the, with the the, the brighter Evenings coming. Yeah, you don't want to the hours coming. of darkness. That's why we're saying, like, and we went through the whole winter with this, you know. So, mm. we went, so we said we highlight this now and try and get something. Do you know, on, you, you, know? You, you you have the the wonderful, um, handy local elections coming up, but you don't want to be waiting That's, until June for this. Yes, exactly. We know that. And then, in fairness, I have to say, Noel McCarthy's our local councillor, yeah, uh, Franco Flynn. They have called up and they have seen the darkness yeah. now. They can only get the same information. Well, I there's the thing, so, like, Frank, Frank O'Flynn, I'm not holding any candle for Frank or anyone, no, or anyone no, no, else, no, but Frank O'Flynn exactly. is a long time around. He's a and long he's the time county, He's the county mayor. That's why I kept, because like, I always see him at the pictures of the yes. chain, and say, so, yeah, that's yeah. great. So he worked hard enough to get to the position he's in. But where his constituents were the ones that put him there, so he could come down and he could surely say something to the council, get a light up here for the boys, get it sorted. You know, so that's the kind of thing. That's all, it's, it's, not a, it's not a hard job. We, we had a call a couple of years ago, Rory, I remember, from uh, there was a, an estate up the north side of the city here where they had troublesome lights, lights on, lights off. It was like watching yeah. a quiz show, lights on, lights off. Like for months, yeah. and, and and no one knew, you didn't know you literally didn't know until the sun went down whether the lights would come on the lights would come off and you can imagine people were duly frustrated <laughs> they rang here I can imagine yeah. the following morning there was two fellas out with picks and shovels and they were doing something so the lights then were on during the day 
and promptly went off in the evening. So I'm yeah. not going to I'm not going to make any promises, but who knows? Give yeah, me the name. Of, the, the name of the estate again, Rory is. It's uh, Beachfield Estate. Beachfield Estate in Fromoy. We'll remember it. We'll come back to it. Let me know if anything happens. Thank you, Rory. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. And indeed, uh, Councillor Franco Flynn and the others in that particular local electoral area. Can someone explain to me why, when streetlights go out in October, October, it is still a problem in on Saint Valentine's Day. Why, like, there's, that that does not make sense in anybody's language. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Like if the lights went pop on a building site, if lights went wallop on a building site, you wouldn't be allowed to continue work without those lights being fixed. Anyway, to Valentine's Day, and we'll finish up with 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 Valentine's and the fun uh, of Valentine's. And of course, sometimes Valentine's can lead to weddings. Um. <laughs> yeah. I'll go into this tomorrow. Weddingsonline.ie have done their annual survey. They do this every year and they publish the cost of getting married. And they, this time they surveyed about a thousand people. <laughs> the average budget, figure this one out now. The average budget for a wedding. This is the average now. Obviously, some would cost less and some would cost more. The average budget for a wedding, not including the honeymoon. In 2024, it's 33,000 euro. What? 33,000 euro, the average cost of a wedding without the honeymoon. The honeymoon costs five and a half grand on top of that. Right. I'll come back to those tomorrow. John, you never got as far as the wedding, unfortunately, um, but you took a chance one time and it's Blew up on your face a little bit. Morning. Morning, how are you? And happy Valentine. Um, just about 20 years ago, I was walking up by the bus station. I just finished the job the day before, so I had time on my hands. And I was walking along, and this beautiful girl came towards me. And um, she smiled and at me and said hello for some strange, bizarre reason. I smiled back and said hello. Then, uh, I don't know, I believe in love at first sight. And she then proceeded to go into the bus office. And you know something? There was something about the girl, like. So I said, look, take a chance here. And she got on the Galway bus. So Johnny jumps on the Galway bus then, got on the bus. She was sitting there. She saluted me again, big smile. I didn't want to make it too obvious. So I went down to the back of the bus. So we got into Galway. And when I was trying me as well, just so I get off the bus right behind her and have a chat and say, my first time here, blah, blah, blah. And just as she was alighting off the bus, I can only describe that she launched herself into the arms of this punk who was waiting for who would make Brad Pitt look like Quasimodo. No, ah, I'll be honest with you. John. <laughs> so I just turned around to the driver and I said, in my best cock accent, what time's the next bus back to Cox, sir? <laughs> <laughs> poor John. I know, poor John. Is and is that why you never married, John? Ah, Jesus, no, man, I've been involved in many, many relationships, and I, I haven't written myself off yet as a mature, as a mature man. <laughs> Come here, you have a bit of advice for, for uh, partners, though, about housework. Yeah, yeah, oh. I have. I, I, look, I mean, let's be honest, uh, Valentine's Day only comes once a year, PJ, but I mean, life goes on for the whole year. 
and guys should pitch in a bit more, you know, make a blooming effort because the person that you that cares about you and has your back and 100% at all times, I mean, you should help out. You should do more around the place. I'm not saying that you don't do anything, but what you possibly do, maybe you should kind of do a bit more because that, that, that person is... Are you referring to me now? No, 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 Jesus, no, no, no. <laughs> You, 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 you tell us that you should get an Oscar what you do <laughs> well I wouldn't go that far but I do me bit I suppose well I suppose we'd have to ask the Queen Bee really whether I do my bit or don't I but there you are yes, it is. and just before I go can I recommend uh, two films tonight Message in a Bottle Kevin Costner and Robert Roy Penn The Bridges of Madison County the best romantic one ever and the scene with the traffic lights if you haven't seen it if you're not moved by that scene you're already dead the Bridges of Madison County. I can't say yeah. I ever saw it, John, yeah, to Meryl be fair. Meryl Streep and Clint Eastwood. It is the best film you'll ever see. If well, you're two, not moved, if you're not moved by that scene, If you're not moved by that scene of the traffic lights when it comes up, yeah. you're already dead. Emer has said that, um, assuming you're still alive and kicking, uh, we'll get you a date next Valentine's Day. How's oh. that? We'll send you into Izzy. We'll send you into Izzy and in, inside the... the <laughs> we'll we get you sorted. John, thank you. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Happy Thanks. Valentine's Day, John. Cheers. There's a thing about chores, actually. I was asking Emer here yesterday. I won't do more on this. I was asking Emer here yesterday, could she guess the chore, the household chore that I despise most of all, we might do this Friday for the fun of it. Right? There are how there. Everyone does their own household chores. You do the bins. You do the floors. Everyone has their own few jobs. There's one household chore that I despise among all other household chores, and I've been doing it since the day we got married. In fact, I was doing it as a young fella, and hated it then. And now that I've been married for nearly 30 years, I still do it, and I still hate it. One simple chore. The wife can do it in seconds. Me, it's, 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 it's a trudge, and I hate it. We'll see if you can guess it. I want to do this before I go. It's not scheduled, but I do want to mention, uh, back in the, uh, the late 80s, I gave someone a copy of a record at a gig that I was doing in town. And uh, it was Body Rock, Maria Vidal's Body Rock. This particular customer was in every single Saturday night and always used to ask for Maria Vidal's Body Rock. And one night, it was her birthday, and I gave her my copy, and I told her, take it away with her, because that was her birthday present, and we were friends to this day. Um, I speak of someone who passed away only the last couple of days. You'll often heard me and Fergal talk about the late Ted Dunn and how big an influence he was on our lives and many other lives. I'm sad to say that uh, Ted's lovely, beautiful, vivacious, funny wife, Sheila, passed away in the last couple of days. And all our thoughts are with the family at this very, very sad time. You will hear more over the days to come, but this is the song that will always remind me, always remind me of Sheila. And with that, we leave you. Program edited by Imra Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Podcasts up throughout the afternoon, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.
just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Corks 96 FM. 